0: Hey, this is David Dunn, and you're listening to Frequency.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Frequency podcast. I'm Dan Thompson, joined by Joe Brookhouse in the West Coast. Uh, I was going to say the West Coast of Canada, but you're you're <laughs> south of the border. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I've been talking to a lot of Canadians lately, Joe. Sorry.
0: Well, you don't have to apologize. I mean, you, Canada is – never mind. I was going to just say it's something disparaging about Canada, and I'm like, why do I want to do that? We have so many listeners up in Canada, and I actually and, like and, Canada.
1: We're so polite. I mean, you can't be mean to Canadians. We're polite.
0: I know. It's like, you know, you know, punching a teddy bear or something. It just doesn't
1: make any sense. Well, and the irony is it's, it's like a British settlement. So technically we should be full of sarcasm and, and, uh, jousting. Um, you know, if you if you watch British comedy, I mean, it's, it's pretty crude. I'm a big Top Gear fan and Jeremy Clarkson's probably the biggest prude out there. Um, so much so he got fired for it, but you know, we still like him somehow. Right, right. (laughs) So... Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Top Gear lately because my youngest son is is into cars, so we're going through all the old episodes. And I've never watched a a,
0: a single episode of that. Which is, listen, in the in the age of bi- uh, Netflix binge watching, there's just certain things I need to avoid because I will. I mean, it's just the way it works, you know. I I don't yeah. have a lot of free time, but somehow I find time to queue up. You know, Kimmy Schmidt, and if you don't know what Kimmy Schmidt is, Dan. I'm not going to spend time, but people who are listening, like our friend Shannon Walker, Shannon and Gary Walker. Uh, Shannon's with Integrity Music, and Gary is her husband, and he's uh, he's a writer. Um, they they know who Kimmy Schmidt is. Um, <laughs> someday I will we'll spend more time talking about Kimmy Schmidt. But uh,
1: didn't, didn't I see random Twitter notes about that or something to that effect?
0: Uh, yes, yes, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, Kimmy Schmidt was trending for a while. It's All uh, right. it's a, uh, Tina Fey. Uh, written and uh, produced TV show on Netflix. And okay. if you're a fan of 30 Rock and uh, Tina Fey, then you understand what you're getting into with that particular thing. Com- anyway,
1: nice. There's, there you uh, go.
0: There's lots of fun stuff going on out there. Um, and, and lots of stuff going on here at Frequency.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there's no shortage of interviews and I'm very thankful for that. We've had the opportunity to connect with a lot of different artists as of late, including authors. Um, You know, we were just interacting with um, Baker Books, for example, because Dan Darling, who we've interviewed in the last year, um, who... uh, you know, I, I actually had here at a conference, so got to know him and his family a bit. Um, he is an author. He actually works with Russell Moore now. Um, yeah. So he's he's quite busy and he has his own, uh, I think it's called the Way Home uh, podcast. So he's podcasting now, but he's wrote, he wrote a new book, which is coming out, and um so we'll get a chance to, to review that, and we'll get that out to everybody. Um, but yeah, uh, recently, I had the chance to talk to a Toronto boy. Um, I'm from Toronto, if you don't know that already. His name is Brad Guldemont. I actually came across his stuff on YouTube and on the web, um, and it, he did some pretty fun stuff, and it's, it's pretty different He's done children's songs and videos to go with them. So he was an interesting interview um, because I haven't met anybody that's actually pursued that and uh, spent any effort on it. He actually crowdfunded uh, the money to do it as well and got support. But he's, uh, yeah, he's making a name for himself. Um, It's harder to do it in Canada than the U.S., but uh, he's not shy. He's getting his name out there. And he's done everything from instrumental worship to children's fun worship songs and videos um, that people like me who run school chapels um, actually use it. And uh, kids love to sing and they love to see the words on the screen. So um, he's he's doing a lot of that. Yeah, he's he's actually been involved with uh, other organizations, um, volunteering his time. You know, and of course, as an artist, you want to get your name out there. The best way to do it is to show up to conferences and offer to help. So he's he's really learned a lot about networking, um, which we talk a bit about in the interview. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything else I need to say other than why don't we uh, go to the interview, Joe? With uh, Brad, Brad Goldemont.
0: Yeah, why don't you just push play and, and I'll just sit here and
1: enjoy it. All right, here's the interview. All right. everybody, is Dan Thompson from Frequency.fm and uh, I have the opportunity to talk to a Canadian artist today, uh, Brad Gouldemont. Did I pronounce that correctly?
2: You did. That's very good. <laughs>
1: awesome. Brad, um, I wanted to have you on the podcast. I came across your website and I know I got an email from you because you're doing some traveling. Yes. Um, so where are you from? Are you from the Toronto area or?
2: Yeah, originally I grew up actually in Waterloo, Ontario. Okay. And so I grew up there. Uh, I went out to Saskatchewan to go to Bible College out there, Briarcrest, for about four years. Awesome. I, I did
1: Briarcrest remotely.
2: Oh, did you? Yeah, <laughs> did. that's good. Um, and then I kept going west and was in Edmonton for a bit working at a church there. And then I came back to Waterloo and now I'm settled in Toronto. Wow. I've, I
1: haven't i have been out west, but I've been everywhere else that you you've Yeah, been. yeah. <laughs> that's cool. And what do you do right now?
2: Um, so right now, I'm kind of in a bit of transition season. Um, so I basically, I work with Compassion as i I'm Compassion Artist Ambassador. Okay. I also do a lot of itinerant worship leading. Um, and actually right now, I'm just in the talks with um, looking, with position regarding a church and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so I was a worship pastor for many years and, and I have a great heart for the church. So um, that's kind of just in the works, probably will come Come to fruition around September, you know, the summer transition season. So, right, right. Um, yeah, so, you know, if I talk to you in a couple of months, I'd probably say work at a church, um, do some, you know, conferences and events outside of that, um, singer songwriter, and then I partner with Compassion as well.
1: Wow, okay. So, yeah. even though you're quote unquote not in any official position in a church, um, because you're an artist you're you're able to do music ongoing and yeah and you're you're on iTunes and you've got albums out there already because you are a relatively established artist. you've been doing this for how long?
2: Um, well, probably about I guess my first album trying to think it came out maybe 2012 okay um, so that I wasn't really pursuing the artist path as much at that time because I was very much hundred percent just focused on. Um, the local church that I was at but I always had that heart to to have a further influence and to, to spend a bit more time investing in my writing and recording and all that kind of stuff as well mm-hmm. um, and so this season this season of the past two years has kind of been a bit of that um, I've still been helping out at churches but it's been a bit more of discovering the artist side of myself and what that looks like and just exploring what God has for me in that area and now I think is the season where the two are kind of merging together. Okay. So, um, you know, like lots of people, actually most people, you know, they have their home church that you kind of serve in and and commit to there, but then you're also sent out to to do some other things as well. And um, even in this past season, it's been interesting because a lot of what I've been kind of as a freelance hired for has been like continual church leadership in places that might not have a worship pastor or um, or just need some extra support. So it hasn't really been popping in and out of places. It's been more of, um, can you come and serve here for six months, like every other week or something. So okay. it's interesting that God kind of put me in those positions where if you kind of like, um, help people get itinerant pastors when they're without a pastor. Yeah. It's kind of been like that for worship leading. Well,
1: and honestly, I don't, I don't see why it should be any different because, if you think about it, worship, worship leaders—you uh, know—called worship leaders, people who are doing more than just strumming a few chords on a guitar. Um, that's a huge part of liturgy of church. Yeah. So you know, it's it's not just that it's about the preaching that yeah. leading people in the service and being a part of all that is spiritual leadership, right?
2: Yeah, for um, sure.
1: Yeah, so it's it's good when you when you're not just dropped in and parachuted in in a church. When yeah. most of the time people are going, who is that guy?
2: Yes. And it it takes a while to develop that trust with people. Um, And I mean, sometimes it happens pretty fast. And especially I find in churches where we're there without someone for the moment, you know, they're very appreciative of that. Um, Someone who has that gift and calling of worship leader and worship pastor on their life. Mm-hmm. Um you can usually kind of start that connection pretty quickly, but it just allows you to even take them further because week after week they trust you, they see your leadership, they see your character and how you're serving, and you can really kind of take them even you know yeah. further and they trust you even more, which is great
1: now you're um you've produced albums, you've done albums. Are you specifically um, focused on one instrument or do you do them all, or how does that work for you as an artist?
2: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm a piano guy, that's my main thing. So most worship leaders are the guitar guys, but I'm still the piano guy.
1: Hey, you know um, what? There's it's actually changing. I find it's yeah. I find that, you know, I mean, not every worship leader can afford a nord stage keyboard or anything. Yeah, but, um, that's more of a you know, a popularity contest sometimes. But Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean keyboard I started on keyboard. Um, a lot of worship leaders that are on keyboard actually do better because they can arrange and have background tracks and can split their keyboard like there are a lot of more options so yes, I actually think you're... it's a good thing leading on a keyboard yeah personally or piano
2: yeah exactly um, so that's that's the main thing um, so yeah with my albums i'm on the kids' album I just did i didn't play the piano on it because my producer had an incredible piano player who was also great with synth. Okay. And I'm not as skilled in the whole synth area, mm-hmm. um, but on the other two albums, you know, obviously on the instrumental piano album I have, I played the piano, and on my first album, I played the piano too. So um, okay. that's that's kind of where my home base is. Very, Very good. good.
1: Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. So when you, you you've produced albums, did you were you part of the the songwriting process? Was it um, other people? Was it cover songs? Um, maybe go back to your first album.
2: For sure. Yeah. yeah, so for all my albums, I've written on every song that okay. I have. Um, my first album, I wrote them all myself. And it was kind of the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, I know I want to do an album. I'm working at church. I'm not really spending much time on the artist side of things. But this is like something you know I have to do before I die, <laughs> <laughs> release an album. And um, it just so happened in Edmonton. There, there was a, a producer that was very affordable, um, named Jared Salty, and um, I ended up working with him. And it was a really good situation because he was right there. Yeah. But I, I didn't really have that many connections in the industry at the time. Was he? The, um,
1: does he have a band, The Royal Foundry, or something like? that? Yes, The Royal yeah. Foundry. Yeah, okay. him and
2: his wife. Um, are in that band, so okay. sorry. It just well. it just
1: triggered a memory there. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And and his father is very influential as well. He runs Breakforth Canada, right? Carl Salty. Right. yeah. Okay. Um, so worked with him, and yeah, I just kind of had written the songs myself in my free time. Um, and I mean, I had had a lot of songwriting experience before that. I took some songwriting classes at Briarcrest and and had some other exposure to training. Um, but you know, as as I go further along, you know, you realize working with other people, getting feedback on your songs is like just so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the the next kind of big project I did, which was the kids' album, um, I actually met a songwriter in Nashville who had done kids' stuff and just kind of got some mentoring from her. So it wasn't really co-writing, but I kind of bring songs and it was great because she would say, well, maybe look at this line or maybe think about this or that, and it actually if you saw the songs like when I wrote them and then what happened after I got mentored by her, yeah. like she really helped take them to like the pro level mm-hmm. um, or really helped me take them because she was a mentor. So if she didn't take over. She was just like, think about this or that yeah. and I'll go away. And fix it. So I found that to be immensely helpful, and I recommend like anyone who's doing a CD on your own mm-hmm. um, to really get that kind of feedback from uh, a professional writer is super helpful.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they always say in the industry, never ask your mom because she'll always lie. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, your mom and your friends—they always have advice for you and ideas about what you should do. But mm-hmm. um, most of the time, it's good to check in with like a professional who really has a lot of experience as well just to see if they're right or Mm. or wrong.
1: Yeah. Now, so you're a Canadian artist and, you know, me being on the Canadian side, I understand that a a bit more um, than Joe when he talks to um, other artists in the U.S. Just when it comes to financial backing, um, the amount of people that are going to consume your music, the bookings you get. um, Yeah. Canada is a lot different. So how do you – Well, you talked about influence and mentoring. Uh, What are ways that you network in Canada that allow you to actually interact with other artists and get your music out there?
2: That's a great question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Canada is a unique territory for sure, especially um, because I had gone down to Nashville a little bit um, once or twice to get connected there, and it's just a totally different scene there. Um, In Canada... I found that it's good to find kind of the movers and shakers in your area Um, because there's – in every province, kind of four or five people who are doing it that are more well-known, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, There's a lot more doing that than that. But there's those people who – if you look at the Covenant Awards, I guess the people who are getting – who have been nominated for that Mm -hmm. um, and see who's in your area. And that's actually – when I moved back to Ontario, I started doing that. I kind of found some of those people – um, or even the, the guys who are connected to worship pastors. Yep. And I just came with no real agenda. Like, all I wanted to do was meet them. because um, so I really believe firmly about, like, relationship and yeah. that God works through relationships. And, you know, coming at someone and, like, wanting just meeting them just for a gig or for this or that, like, it might end up like that. But to come just, like, as a relationship, because God might have, like, a lot more Mm-hmm. Or different things in store. Um, so I met with some of the people in my area. Uh, I mean, some of them in Ontario for me were like Chris Fichet, um, Greg Sykes, Drew Brown, yeah,
1: um, and just
2: Marcel Preston. Yeah, yeah, he's around here too. I mean, there's actually a lot of people around here. Jacob Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably even a lot more than that.
1: Yeah. Well, even Amy Savin. She's in in Michigan now, but she was in Ontario. Yeah. Um, who I just spoke to in my last interview.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, yeah, there's a lot around there. I mean, I was in Ontario, uh, well, four years ago now, but uh, yeah, I, that was a struggle of mine was because there's always a tension between wanting to tag onto somebody else's notoriety and, public, and publicity and yeah. almost become a follower of them, kind of like yeah. the way we, we uh, deal with social media. For sure. Um, you don't want to make them think that you're, you're just latching onto them. Yep. You're actually just looking for networking because they, they may know a producer or they may know where, you, where um, you could get involved in activities. And one big thing, I guess, is the Gospel Music Association. But is, I, I was involved in it before, but I don't know what kind of um, influence that really has because I haven't been overly involved in it. Has that been helpful for you? Have you been involved in that? or?
2: I mean, I had gone to one of the kind of events in Calgary when I was in Alberta. Um, so I was good just to meet some people. Um, I went to the Covenant Origin. It was here that was when I was nominated. Um, but I didn't, I didn't connect with that many people at maybe those events. Partly because I was just waiting for the right time to connect with people. I was still establishing myself, um, and still kind of wasn't sure between like my path of worship pastor and mm-hmm. whatever you call it—worship artist or artist or whatever yeah. it is. Um, and so I didn't really initiate at that time. Um, but, but yeah, now I'm very conscious to initiate with people and, um, and just start with people on your level too, or, or like one step above you. Like, Mm -hmm. um, my advice to artists would be like, you don't need to go right to Pablo off or something right away. Um, if you have a connection, that's great, but it's often really helpful just to have people at your level or a step above that can help you Um, and they'll be the ones who have time for you as well, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, that is a good point because a lot of artists, especially Paul Belos, because he's, he's probably the perfect example of somebody who has the heart and the humility to deal with somebody at our level for sure. But just literally doesn't have the time to invest one. on Exactly. Yeah. So he would probably stop if you, if you pulled him aside and have a great conversation, but you for know, sure. in, you know, in reality that everybody wants to do that.
2: Yeah. Like he's not going to be able to answer your emails all the time. If you have questions or something yeah. like,
1: yeah.
2: um, he probably would if he could, but he just <laughs> can't, can't yeah. times himself by a thousand. So, exactly. Um,
1: yeah,
2: but, um, yeah, I think networking is super important. It's, it's a funny word because it's such a business term. But, but,
1: but let's face it, it is a business because, yeah, you know, the whole idea of investing in the music is to get it out there in hopes that people will, will hear it, but it costs money. Exactly. Um, I was talking to Amy Sabin before, and we've talked to uh, even U.S. artists when they're doing uh, social campaigns and trying to raise funds um, because the reality is to do it well costs money. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking to a producer who their job is to produce, Marcel Preston's an, an, another example. He may be Sky Terminal, but he's also a music producer. Yeah. He needs to feed his family. Yeah. So yeah, music costs, and a lot of people, and the way the way the culture is now, they really don't value art the way they did. You know, iTunes started with dropping the song down to ninety nine cents. Yeah. Um, But now with streaming services and Apple Music and everything else for nine dollars a month, you do the math. You know, for as many and many songs as you want to listen to for nine dollars a month, um, or twelve for whatever Canadian. Yeah. So, so now the artist who's in Canada who doesn't have a big following really needs to figure out how to fund this thing. Yeah. So, which is why the worship pastor role has become the way to be in the industry and because that's essentially my role here in our church is I don't get a lot of time to be an artist now my my role shifted to now talking to artists Mm. Um, but again it's my way of staying connected to the industry that I love and to yeah. be able to now help other artists get pushed forward yeah, um, because I know the reality of the business and that it costs money and to do it well, you need to invest. So, so true. Yeah. So somebody like you, you know, you're going from, well, you're in the worship pastor realm, um, which in a lot of times is not even full-time work. A lot of times it's actually part-time work. So they, you actually have to be bivocational sometimes even in that role. Yeah. So how in the world do you get time to songwrite and produce and record and enjoy what you do? So you know, as you've gone through your roles and potentially the future roles, uh, do you have the option to still be an artist or are you going to merge that together?
2: Yeah, I mean when I was full in a full-time position – I was doing a bit of artist stuff, not very much. Um, but that's also I think just because of time management and stuff. Um, so in this past like year or two of focusing more on the artist thing, I've just learned a ton about self-management and just managing all the different your biz- the business side, the music side, mm-hmm. you know, your artist side, all that. Um and so yeah, coming into like let's say a part-time position, um I think you just have to be really diligent about guarding your time for yourself and mm-hmm. honoring it as an artist. Like um, sometimes, I think we get caught up, uh, especially as Christians. You know, we're serving other people all the time, which is obviously great. We need to serve other people, right. but like sometimes we get so lost in everyone else that we might forget. Like you know, God has called us to to use our talents and invest our talents, and it's not selfish to take time away to write songs that are going to, they're going to, it's still a service. It's still a ministry to other people, your songs. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a different kind of ministry. Um, So I think really honoring your craft and honoring that time to invest in that is really important. And I don't know, for me, I think what helps is like doing it in the morning too. Like, so, because I find when I start my day, you get into everything and you have your to-do list and it's easy to like push things off. Yeah. So to say, like you know, in the morning I'm gonna spend some time with God, and then I'm gonna like songwrite for thirty minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, at least you have that feeling like you did you did something you're called to. <laughs> like, yeah. Whereas yeah. I think when you forget about that, when you don't take time, you have this feeling of like. At least I got this feeling of like, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's like I feel, something's wrong, <laughs> and uh, it's usually like I'm not like you using or honoring kind of the gift I have and, and taking the time to it. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Well, even pastors, preaching pastors, which I do as well. Um, you feel as a pastor, especially if you're in a, a busy ministry, like for here, it's a church and a school. Yeah. So there's always something going on. Um, you're always, you're always doing output. You never, you don't always have intake. You're yeah. not always just like rest. There is a theology of rest that yeah. a lot of people don't get. Um, especially when you're in the artist world and you feel like you have to be at every gig, go to a, you know, a nine o'clock show, travel across wherever to go, you know, just because you may network with some people. It's good to do all that. If you pick your shows, if you pick the people, you put it in your calendar and yeah. And like, like you said, if you get up in the morning and that's your time to do your thing for me, it's the evening when my my kids are finally in bed, they're older. So it, it takes longer now, but yeah. Um, yeah my my detox time for myself if you want to be selfish about it um, is when I've done when I'm taxed at the end of the day and nice. I and I can just be alone but for yeah. for it doesn't matter what your time is but exactly yeah, but you need to have that time a lot of different uh, songwriters we've talked to um, that's their thing is they have a sabbatical type of a time and it's not selfish it's actually to feed their soul and then in turn they're able to do their art and then feed other people. Yes. Yeah. So if you're doing it well, the ultimate goal is service. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's that's, what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, speaking of, of talents, you, you have done something that I haven't seen a lot of other uh, worship artists do, and you delved into the children's side (laughs) of things. Yeah. And I wanted to get to that mostly for selfish reasons, because I lead a chapel in a school every Mm. week. And it, I have two chapels and one of them is the kindergarten to grade six. Oh, wow. And I saw your YouTube videos and my wife and I were were laughing and (laughs) and chuckling and singing because it's the exact same stuff that our kids want to sing.
2: That's cool. Because
1: it's fun. It's theological. It's goofy. It's high energy. (laughs) But that's Okay. And yeah. so I wanted to talk a bit about that because that's something cool. unique that I saw in what you have to offer even in the on your website. Yeah. Um, so how did that all come about because that's not something that everybody's
2: doing. No, uh, so that was a long, long process. Uh, like, I think 2003, 2004 I started working at Ontario Pioneer Camp, uh, which is up north here. Yep. and um, so I did a couple roles and a couple years in um, I was put in charge of the music for the kids. Um, so, you know, we were using some pretty old songs, actually, like, if I were a butterfly and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. They're great songs, but I was like, I was just looking at the songs that they had, and I was like, okay, are there no, is no one writing new songs for camp worship? Like, yes. there's all these classic songs, I don't know when they started, but, like, um, It Takes a Spark, and... If I Had a um, Bear, or yeah, If I Was I, a
1: Bear, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, all
2: yeah. these songs, and, um classic kids songs that we learned deep and wide or father Abraham that were huge hits. But, um, I was like, where, where's the kids music? So I started looking and I did find some good stuff. Like we used, we started using some Hillsong kids. Um, but I was just shocked when I looked, when I was the Christian bookstore back when they were open (laughs) and, um, and, um, and like looked online and I was like, I can't, why are people writing kids music? Or like at least, some modern kids music Mm -hmm. Um, because there was still stuff coming out but I found that um, a lot of it was people putting um, like songs written for adults with pop music and kids stuff which is fine too sometimes that will work but I was just like like surely this creative church world who writes like a bazillion worship songs a year can write (laughs) some for kids (laughs) so anyways I just took it upon myself as a songwriter to start writing some. So this was probably about eight years ago, Uh Um, wrote, um, it was Love the Lord, Praise the Lord, um, biggest part of my life, um, and wrote some of those just for the first year. And we started using them and they became like the ultimate favorites at camp. Also because um, we came up with actions for them that were really fun Uh because that's a big part of what I wanted is to have actions. Because this was a camp for like five to 10-year-olds. So yes. some of them can't even read um, and just trying to find a way to engage them. Uh-huh. So basically I did that and next year I wrote a couple more songs. That was about all. They'd be using the songs ever since there. Um, and sometimes I get parents asking me to use them in their Sunday school or the church ministries and I give them the sheet music but I was like, I don't have a recording. Uh-huh. Um, so then. Fast forward like 10 years later, <laughs> and, and I'm like, what am I going to do for my next album? Um, I'm doing this artist thing. I'm taking the leap of faith. Um, I actually was even, you know, I just wasn't sure what I was called to. Like, I was writing some stuff that was more maybe to minister to people who were outside the church, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. connect them, um, be a link, a bridge there. But then I don't even remember when I made the decision, but I just remember feeling this kind of draw towards kids music. Mm-hmm. And I think I also realized I was like, I need to raise money for this. Um, and I think this is something people get behind because interesting. It's also something that's unique to me. Like you were saying, not a lot of worship leaders or especially male worship leaders would have experience with kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not even married. I don't have kids, but I've worked with them for like 10 years at camp.
1: Yep. Well, that's not um, a prerequisite. I've got, worship, I've got uh, youth leaders that don't have kids or, you know, they're, you know, yeah, it's, it's their inaugural attempt at trying to figure out how to deal with kids. But <laughs> yes, that's, right. that's what it is. But some people are just naturally gifted at at interacting with them, and I think yeah. that's
2: great. Yeah. So I started into it and just decided I was going to do it. Um, raised ten thousand dollars through crowdfunding to kind of fund it or help fund it, um, and then I started writing. and I was like, oh, this is like really fun. Um, getting some ideas, like the fruit salad song is one of the big hits with the kids. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, that was my wife's favorite. That's the one that made her chuckle. And then the first time she, she chuckled and the second time she started singing along.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's super catchy. And, um, yeah. So yeah, I started, and I was like, I felt really happy and it was fun because I could explore territory that I couldn't, if I was writing for adults and just, Mm. um, you can just be really creative in the way you, um, talk about God or Bible stories and, um just explaining things, yeah. having a lot of fun, so yeah, that was quite the process, and um it was bizarre, actually, like how things came together,, yeah. and it was really like clear that God was behind it, like um now you you're able to be creative
1: with it and have fun, but do you find that you're you're actually judged less on um you know the, like production value, like how good quote unquote the song is to use and because you're not really using it in a service per se, do um, yeah. you find there's so much scrutiny on modern worship in the church realm now that you know you're, you're compared to Chris Tomlin, Matt Marr, you know the like there's the staple top CCLI 20 list, and yeah. if it's not as good as that we're just not going to use it um, compared to the children's stuff where there's nothing to compare to. Yeah, unless, like you said, you you buy a Hillsong Kids album or something. Yeah, or, um, yeah, Young and Free, which to me is is tween. It's not really kids.
2: It is, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's true. There's a lot of scrutiny, and I feel like even when you do stuff for kids, people, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of us judgment involved. <laughs>
1: or they're saying, "Thank goodness somebody's doing that."
2: <laughs> I got. Man, I can't tell you how many Facebook messages and emails I've gotten from parents that are like thank you for creating first like a non-cheesy kids worship album and and one that they actually enjoy too Mm -hmm. because that was my goal it was like in the same way that you know Pixar makes movies for kids but that adults like I was like I'd like to make a kids worship album that um, kids enjoy but adults enjoy too and especially because kids are just so exposed to music today like they're just they're listening to Top 40, and they're listening to crazy things on the radio. So, oh, yeah. Well, uh, my, my son's
1: into electric, electronic music and dubstep.
2: Exactly. And he's 14. <laughs> yeah. And so we didn't go as far as, like, there's some kid's pop CDs out there that cover Top 40 songs, and they're super, like, um, EDM or poppy. But okay. we were like, well, we kind of want to balance. It'll still have kind of, like, an innocence to the music, but yeah. still be modern. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, kind of uh, the way Phil Vischer has been reshaping his ministry too with, mm. um, yeah, with his cartoon type stuff. Um, the name escapes me right now. Uh, What's in the Bible? I think it's called.
2: Oh right, yeah. Because
1: um, we we subscribe to a service called Right Now Media here that um, all of his stuff is on, so we use that in our school. But your and and not only did you do the album, but you also made videos for the songs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because honestly, the videos with actions, like you said. And then having the visuals and hilarious visuals, (laughs) um, So how did that come about? Because honestly, that's the one thing that put it over the edge for me for dealing with a chapel, for example, where I've got 60 kids that are rambunctious and want to sing songs. Yeah. That's the stuff I'm looking for. We pull YouTube videos up and we play them and then they jump around and they interact and they learn it visually and sonically. Yeah. Um, So how did the the YouTube video thing come around? Did you do that or did you get somebody to help you with that?
2: I definitely didn't do it myself. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, mean, in the creation of the album process, it happened pretty fast from, like, the actual production, like, June to April, was was it all. Videos, website, everything. Um, So I hired a lot out just to get good people doing it. So it's a funny story with the videos. Basically, um, I also, the videos were because I know lots of kids' ministries use videos from talking to kids' pastors, just a lot of them. Hardly any of them, even bigger churches, have live music there. Yes. Um, and so I was like, well, if people are going to use them, I need to create some videos. And also thinking as an indie artist who is aware that like music just doesn't sell, people don't buy much today, mm-hmm. um, the video is just another great source of income. There's some websites like Worship House Kids yep. that sell them now, um, and you, know, you can make as much, pretty much from like a video or two as you would off an album. So Yeah, because
1: people would actually value – I know I've bought off Sermon Spice and um, – yes. Yeah, like all those um, – like there's people making good money just producing good solid film. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like Skit Guys, for example. Yeah. Um, good solid work. And and I've seen videos valued upwards of 20 to $30. I know. It's
2: great. Yeah, people still value them. Yeah. And I, I mean I paid that when I was a worship pastor too because mm-hmm. you want a good video? Okay. Um, so I hired a company. This is a funny story, but so I actually asked a lot of Christian companies first, yeah, and um, none of them replied to me for some reason. Oh, really? I don't know if they were just busy. Um, some of them were like cartoon ones. So I was looking to maybe get a cartoon one, yeah, um, but they're also very expensive, like mm-hmm. to get a cartoon made, um, and like looking at. Then I was like, okay, look at lyric videos. Um, so then I was going to work with this one company, and I don't know if they got scared once they found out it was a, like a worship thing. Yeah. Um, but then they just didn't get back to me, and I was like, okay, what the heck? So um, I found this other company who created like these top notch lyric videos, and they had done a lot for some really famous artists. Mm-hmm. And so it was a pretty high price. But what I did was I'd worked out a deal with the other company, so I talked to them and I said, um, listen, I worked out this deal, 10 videos for this price and it was very low. Um, but the thing is I don't need word by word, like, cause I want the words to come up at once and it's for kids. It's pretty simple. Like I don't need, um, that elaborate stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, so anyways, I came and we're going to a deal. So they said they would now they did a great job in the end. It did take a ton of work working through with them because I don't think they knew what I was doing with like the. Christian kids videos. Yeah, yeah. So, um, some would come back amazing, mm-hmm. but then lots of come back word by word appearing. And I was like, no, I clearly said like, I need the whole phrase to come up so people can sing it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then some things like, you know, they would put some stuff in the videos sometimes. So I was just a bit edgy and I was like, okay, I just remember this is for church. We can't have like any hint of, you know, in the surfing video, it was, like, wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Like they had a girl riding in a bikini or something. <laughs> on, oh, and yeah, I was just yeah. like, I was like, there's not a problem, but like I just have to be careful. This is going to be in a bunch of churches. We can't really have that in the in the video for riding away. <laughs> so it took a lot of work, just like explaining it to them. But it was cool because they got to hear the music, yeah. and they kind of promoted a bit at the end. And um, and they did it for just so cheap mm-hmm. for like the product that I got. It was really a God thing that I could do it because it's just it's a ton of a budget. You you have your recording, which is a ton of money. You have your mixing, your mastering getting videos then on your promotion the disc creation mm-hmm. it's just a lot of money and you don't make a lot back these days either right yeah
1: now i was going to even say since you mentioned it disc creation do you find that that's becoming less and less important and just going with digital
2: yes in some ways but um like people still buy that buy live events okay and yeah. and i found too which i knew was the kid stuff it's a bit different because parents still like to buy cds to have in their minivan or whatever um
1: actually i i agree with that yeah i can see how yeah if if somebody goes to an event and you're there and they've got young kids yeah they want to grab it right away and then go use it yeah that makes a lot of sense and
2: i found a lot of parents have actually bought bought cds for their other parent friends Hmm. so i mean i've I've had some churches buy like 30 cds to give to all their like one to every family Mm -hmm. um or there's i think there's one parent and Jacks, who really likes it, and she's bought like a bunch and gives them to all her other mother friends in the church. Yeah, and so yeah, because they're not really going to send a digital download to their friend or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, so. no, that's true. And um, did you spend significant? Again, I, I like asking these questions because I'm not printing CDs these days. Yeah. Um, because I, I do find a trend change where, like, what happened the last five years with vinyl. So vinyl made a quote-unquote comeback, and people are spending more money trying to get vinyl. Yeah, because it's cool. Um, but for me, vinyl wasn't as much about the vinyl as it was about the book. Mm. About like bands spent or their companies spent ample time putting in photos and bios and song lyrics and stuff like that. Did you spend like was that important to you having the the book inside the CD?
2: I didn't do so much of that. Um, okay. What I focused on was, like, having a really cool cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I don't know if you heard of the Jesus Storybook Bible? Yes. Right. So, the illustrator of that is Jago. Okay. And I asked him if he would do it. Somehow he said yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's so busy. So, but I, like, I loved his artwork. And so, he's the one who designed the cover, okay. kind of cartoon cover. Um, and then inside he did, like, a little cartoon of me. Um but I didn't put much liners, just because it also cost a lot more money. Yes.
1: Um,
2: and I, yeah, I just focused on it has the it has what it needs to have inside. Yeah. Um, but it's actually this CD I actually did differently. I got a thin one, which I actually love. I wasn't sure at first. It's a thinner one. I forget what it's called, like a eco wallet maybe or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's been so helpful because I'm shipping a lot of them out. And I can put so many in a package or just even with what I'm spending on shipping, it's a lot less. Yeah. Um, and even carrying it like when you're traveling on planes with it, mm-hmm. um, I'm finding it super helpful to have that thinner CD as well. But yeah. that's just for me.
1: It'd probably be good for giveaways if you chuck them in the audience too. <laughs> it's true, yeah.
2: It's not like a big thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: No, that's great. And uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on was instrumental yeah you're also an instrumental artist We're focused on that, which again is somewhat unique and different yeah. compared to what other artists are doing. I personally like that my yeah. I would love to be a movie score guy myself. Um, yeah, that's cool. But again, that's a niche thing, and you really have to have the right contacts. Yeah. Um, but even if it's you know just for the sake of um, easy listening and stuff, what was your motivation behind that? Was that a self-motivated thing or was it meeting a need or
2: was it um, both? Um, it was probably more self than anything. It's funny because actually that one, I did oh. as a thank you EP to people who gave like more than fifty dollars to my Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. Okay. That's cool. So that's how that one came about because I was like, "What can I do for relatively inexpensive that would be kind of like a special incentive that other people wouldn't get?" Mm-hmm. Um So I gave that to anyone who gave fifty dollars or more, like. It's one of instrumental worship of some modern worship songs. Oh. Um, and then I released it like three months after. Wow. Um, just to like give it as a bit of a special thing to those people. Um, and so did yeah, you, I mean, did
1: you program all that yourself at home? Or?
2: I did, yeah. I just did like it on um, on my Pro Tools okay. and bought, bought a really nice piano sound kind of thing
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and then paid a bit for mastering of it. Okay. And um, and did that. So, that, yeah, I mean, that's just mostly because I really like that. And I do know there's people out there who like instrumental worship.
1: Yes. Um, well, even like for yeah. churches that want to have it in the background before a service, right?
2: Yeah, it was funny. I was at one church. It was my friend's church. But um, I was playing during communion. And I was like, so do you have music you want to play or do you want me to play? He was like, well... We just play your instrumental EP. So <laughs> I was like, well, I'll play it live today then. I'll just play it. Like <laughs> so myself. you don't
1: really need me then.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just did it live. But um, yeah, I find like a devotion and stuff, it's really nice to have worship instrumental in the background. And mm-hmm. there's lots of stuff on YouTube with that. Um, I think my biggest YouTube. It is like the "You Make Me Brave" piano instrumental. Okay, and um, and then I also like have the sheet music available on my website, so it helps people if they want to play like an instrumental version. Lots of people like that, or some people like it for weddings and stuff. They're like mm-hmm. you know, they use it about all sorts of things like that. So I really yeah. enjoy that. I like to do more of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot about money, like you said. <laughs>
1: you yeah, do yeah. everything. <clears throat> I guess if if you do some of that, you could probably even go on the side of. Of training, making training type videos. Yeah, Here, here's how you play the song "Bare Bones." Yeah, here's chord structures. Yeah, because um, there's a guy in the U.S. that does that. He actually he started with just a YouTube channel, and it turned into an entire ministry. Wow. Um, which I think it's just worshiptraining.com or something like that. Um, <clears throat> but it's funny how that people get a niche thing, right?
2: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah and and you kind of end up cornering the market on it yeah because um, you could monetize through youtube obviously yeah. with with that um but i think you're you're on the right track with the the worship sources i know as a pastor i go to them because we just don't have the time to invest in production or video or sound or all of the above um yeah so it's good to go to a one place and we're willing to spend 7.99 or Ten ninety nine or whatever. Yeah. That's something that you would have invested time in, but it saves yeah. us the time.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So
1: I think that's great.
2: That's cool. Um,
1: now what's coming up next for you? I mean, you told me potentially what you could be doing in the fall, but musically, yeah. do you have another project on the go or in concept?
2: Um, not at the moment, although I, I, ha- I'm writing songs for all sorts of things. Um, I've had more kids songs. Um, kind of ready to bring to another writer to kind of help tweak them a bit okay. I've got starting to do some worship stuff um, there's some really interesting stuff in development actually oh. um, through I was in Nashville at this like 40 person songwriting retreat back in then April with some great writers there what was that um, called do you remember it was called Kingdom Songs
1: okay yeah so that's uh, Wisdom Moon Wisdom and, Moon yeah the gang. yeah I've worked with them yeah. That's
2: cool. Yeah. So there's only like 40 people who got in allowed yeah. to be there. It was great for just connecting, but um, I'm sure I can say this publicly, but I, I was talking to Wisdom this week yep. and we're actually planning one um, for Canada, a Kingdom of Songs things. Awesome. So me and him are working together. Um right now, we're just the initial talks of um doing one in the Toronto area, mm-hmm. um probably early March next year. okay. um bringing some having some Canadian writers and also bringing up some other ones uh, that he's connected with with in- integrity yes, and mm-hmm. uh, and doing like a training event because I think after going to the one in Nashville, I was just so inspired by it. It was such a cool connecting event. It really was amazing. Um, and I was like, we need to do this in Canada too. Um, and I mean, there's different training stuff happening, but I was like, "There's no real small retreat like this happening where you can really connect with the writers. Um, People can really come and learn for like a couple days, um, really invest into it, um, and get connections too Mm -hmm. outside of Canada." So um, yeah, we're planning that, and so I'm super excited about that. I'm going down to Dallas in two two weeks. Okay. um, To go, this thing called Emerging Sound that Jenny Lee Riddle runs.
1: Yep. Yeah, I know about that. So
2: yeah, I'm helping out at the Dallas one, and then also there's one in New Brunswick. Okay. um, Two weeks after that, so I'm going to be helping out that, which is very close to me actually. (laughs) Very close. Yeah. Where are you at again? I mean, I'm in
1: Prince Edward Island, but it's it's about a three-hour drive to I think that event.
2: Yeah. So yeah, there's going to be some fantastic writers there, like Jenny the Riddle, Dustin Smith, Corey Voss. um, Yeah, it's basically
1: yeah the integrity gang, right? <clears throat> and, yeah, and so it's,
2: be, it's a songwriting camp for teens, which is cool. Yeah. So I, I'm just kind of helping as an intern, um, kind of like you look after a couple teams teens because it's like an overnight camp. Yeah. And then you get to write with all these people and the teens. And last year they came up with a CD of it, which I was super impressed with. Like the songs were top notch that the teens and, and interns had written with the, along with the pro writers. Yeah, So it's a really cool thing that Jenny's doing, um, so I'm super excited to do that. And then, so that's the summer for me. And then in the fall, yeah, we am kind of just waiting, waiting on that, figuring mm-hmm. things out. Um, even, even as I'm attending these events and making more connections, I just feel like God, God will just bring things together and, mm-hmm. um, it's with everything so
1: no that's great and actually um as you were saying that i was realizing i'm i'm going to be talking to chris Fashey actually at the beginning of august mm-hmm. we're intertwining our holidays to talk to each other but nice. i want to uh pull him on his future desires to continue on with worship rises which that's is right, yeah something he did in ontario and i'd like oh. to to tag on to that here which is the same idea as kingdom songs it's just canadian locally run that's all
2: yeah which he did
1: with drew brown and greg sykes and all those guys uh, years yeah, ago
2: exactly uh, I'd,
1: I'd like him to to uh, bring that out again and because i think we need songs for the church and and especially where i live in the east coast um sometimes songs can be very contextual um a song that would never work here will work in toronto yeah the congregation specifically the culture is different um, the way the churches run here are a little bit different from there. Um, the professionalism is all over the map, depending on where you are. Um, yeah. but, but again, like um, you know, we're just introducing songs like Wren um, Collective songs here. Right. Two years ago, it wouldn't have even been a thought. Yes. Um, but it's kind of like the the migration of of trying to get people into a place where they can accept new music. Yeah. Whereas it would be easy to do it in certain Toronto churches, for example. Yeah, that's right. You know, modern worship takes a different tone when you get to the East Coast. Yeah. Even because there's a lot more Celtic flair here. Yeah. Uh, a lot more violin, a lot more, you know, stringed instruments. Um, whereas in, you know, in Toronto, or like a guy like Drew Brown or, or um, <clears throat> Chris Fashay at C4 Church, where that's, modern worship is a norm. Yeah. Here it's like an event.
2: Right. I know, see, yeah. So
1: that kind of stuff. But I want to link with other artists and other people that are, you know, worship pastors and and really talk about music for the church. Yeah. So that's neat to hear that you're doing that. And and again, wisdom and, and the guys that are involved in that um, are doing a good job of, of bringing the right people alongside. Because mm-hmm. um, I worked with wisdom with Songwriters Cafe and all about worship for years before, so I understand the vision behind it, and which is why I was involved with them. Yeah. Um and actually our podcast, um, you know, we, we have talked to wisdom. We actually were, were with him in um Seattle last year, um, just talking about doing the same thing, you know.
2: Yeah. And the, I think the thing that I mean I was chatting with him about is to because you know, I was like, Oh, should I do something on my own? You know, we want to be authentically Canadian. Yeah. Um but then at the same time I talked to him and he's just got so many great connections. Um but it's really about Um, stoking the fire of what God's doing in Canada Um, you know we really want to make it clear that it's not going to be the natural people coming to save us very thoroughly yeah exactly you know it's just going to be like hey what's God doing among writers because I really feel like something's even happening even more um, just in raising up people in Canada and Canada has something unique to bring in a voice and we haven't maybe like been so loud yes um, so far so uh, but something's happening and like just to have have them you know see what is god doing here and like help us together and because i was talking to chris too about it and um just like oh what how should we how should we go about it should we do our own thing and um yeah i think the worship rise would be a great compliment to it like as more of a writer's retreat because this first kingdom songs one is going to be more of an equipping one yes um not so much there'll be a bit of co-writing but um, not so much probably co-writing with pros or anything like they did in Nashville. Mm-hmm. That'll be more like anyone can come and just learn about songwriting, hear, connect, see kind of who who has a passion for this around here. Um, but Worship Rises I think could be a great compliment to have like continual writing going on. Yeah. And continual stuff going yep. on with Canadians, you know.
1: And yeah, and again, the the people that are doing it, like Jenny Lee Riddle is awesome. She's very humble, she's very giving. When it comes to working with people, and she, when you listen to her talk, for example, she's just excited about new things. Yes. Um, She's the first to to celebrate successes and the first to back people up if they feel like they've failed. Um, You know, she doesn't try to be something she's not, Mm -hmm. um, which is what I like about And that's the kind of mentor you need. Yeah. It's not like, well, you should listen to me. You know, I mean, I got, you know, 10 hit songs. (laughs) Um, She really. She's never come across like she cared, yeah, which is a good thing. Um, but she's in that, that even age bracket now where she's, she's in the give back. Same with Paul Blosh. like, yeah, um, these guys are now realizing that they're, they've done that season,
2: yeah,
1: and now they have to help others rise up. And I guess that's what Chris's thought with the whole worship rises name was that mm-hmm. songs need to rise up out of the church itself. Yeah. So that's great. No, it's great to see that you're you're connected there. We need more voices in Canada to to stoke the fire and keep things going. Yeah. Um, Because I definitely feel even picking songs this week um, for our church service, we're tapped dry. Like there Mm. there is not a lot of unique music that we can grab onto unless you go to the staple ones and then just wait for them to come out with a new song. Like, yeah. There's lots of stuff that we could do. Um, yeah. And again, that's why songs from Ren Collective, for example, "Build Your Kingdom Here," um, they're they're starting to get more popularity because people are tired of the same four chords, yeah, right? or even the strumming style and having a tambourine, you know. Which, again, there's still churches in in Canada, especially in the East Coast, I find very much old school kind of fundamental type, where a tambourine is taboo. Okay. Right. But. Yeah, it's you know, but people are tired of of that. They want change. They just don't always know how to how to do it. They need people to champion it. Yeah. And to really understand why because what does scripture say? Why is it not wrong to do this? And yeah. how we, how can we do this in a healthy way that's not distracting in worship? Yeah. Cuz I guess exactly. that's that's the real key. Um so I mean, we could talk and, and keep talking, but for the sake, for the sake of the interview, uh, yep. how do people get in touch with you and how do they uh, get their music, your music?
2: Yeah, I mean, the best way is uh, just through my website. Uh, so it's www.bradgouldemond.com. Okay. Um, there, it's got all the music, um, easy to download. Obviously, you can get it on iTunes if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want a physical copy, you can get that off the website or the website has links to iTunes or CD Baby or wherever you might want to order it from okay. or just from myself as well. Um, all, all the videos are up there as well um, for kids ministry and there's some packages for churches as well that uh, include like a bunch of the videos together or you can get the video pack and 10 CDs where okay. you can sell the CDs to people at your church or give them away and make back some of the money even if you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a bunch of different packages there. Um, and then anything else, people can just email email me as well, just brad at com. So okay. it's G-U-L-D-E-M-O-N-D. Awesome.
1: Well, thanks so much for talking to us today. And it's, no worries. it's great to talk to a Canadian artist again.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's great to talk.
0: All right. That was our interview with Brad Guldemond. I, I pronounced that correctly, right? Yes, you did. Ah, so proud of myself in that regard. And um, if you hear the TV in the background, that's you know, for folks are listening, I do live in a house and my father-in-law is visiting. Uh, my wife and I are finishing up the uh, Better Marriages training. If you guys listen to the David Dunn episode, you know what I'm talking about. So they're mm-hmm. they're taking care of Sammy while Vanessa and I are at the, the conference. Anyway. Oh, that's great. But yeah. uh, anyway, that having been said, um, thanks for the interview, Dan. I, I loved hearing that Brad is uh, has been working with um, our friends over at All About Worship um, yes. And looking into maybe the uh, Kingdom Songs retreat up in Canada. And uh, mm-hmm. that, that's great news. Um, and uh, it's, it's nice to see this kind of small world as uh, people are uh, kind of connecting with each other.
1: Yeah, and and there's been similar things in Canada. Um there was something that Chris Fashay did years ago called Worship Rises, which is similar, was basically songwriting seminar. Um and he did it multi-location on the at the same weekend. Right. Um where people co- collaborate. Jenny Lee is doing something similar, you know, there's there's a lot of that going on and it's only gonna add value to, you know, and, and add songs to the church, which I think is good. Um, and you know, it's equipping and training young people. Cause I think the average age of those that were going to see Jenny Lee Riddle, which Brad was a part of, yeah. um, re- recently, actually after our interview, he was headed there. Uh, I think it was in Dallas where he started. And then there's one in New Brunswick, Canada. Um, it's, you know, like 15 year old and up, you know, I was looking at some of the photos he was sharing and there's some pretty young people there. Um, but again, they're, you know the the options are there the technology's cheaper a lot of kids have access to computers and software that they they didn't when we were growing up no you know i had a i had a, a you know a sony walkman sport <laughs> right <laughs> you know with a tape player listening to Corey hart you know so uh times have definitely changed <laughs> yes, they have. Um, but uh yeah it's it's good brad brad has been a part of those and actually brad uh, being a friend of the podcast, we'll probably be able to interact with some people on our behalf uh, in the future, hopefully, um, if he gets the chance to. But he is a singer, songwriter, and an artist, so he's, he's got to earn a living as well. But yeah, uh, yeah it was good, good to talk with him, and it'll be interesting to see how things develop throughout the next year uh, as we hear about what's happening at these events.
0: Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> amazing the resources that are available to songwriters that weren't available you know, 20 years ago. I mean Mm -hmm. that uh, the barriers to entry are much lower uh, than they used to be. Of course, that means there's an influx, but quality still resonates with people, and that's the thing, Um, folks. You know, if you're if you're writing, um, don't get lazy. You know, Mm -hmm. because you know, it was for me, it was something that was very important to learn when I thought I was writing a great song, and I've written some pretty good songs. That somehow that one song was is gonna resonate to some degree with people, but um, you can't just get lazy on lyrics or um, yeah or, or on quality on any level so just you know a word out there it, it, there's a lot of indie work out there the stuff that resonates with me the most um, is you know you have to at a minimum have a quality production
1: yes. Yeah. And other ears listening to it and being honest. If if the only person that ever listens to your stuff is your mom, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah.
0: You have to have because, grandma listen to.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. If grandma can listen to it, then yeah, definitely it's okay. <laughs> but there are there are tools out there. You know, just looking at one um, master writer, I think it's called, yes. Paul Blosh mm-hmm. uh, promotes it. Um, definitely worth looking at. I think it's $49 for the year right now if you're a worship leader uh, magazine subscriber, but even $99 a year, you know, if somebody takes it seriously, what's a hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, an investment. It's a tool
1: that, <clears throat> yeah. And it's a tool that's going to, um, give you options you wouldn't think of, because I think it gives you suggestions based on what, you know, what paths your head in, in sentence structure and, uh, will probably give you warnings of repetitiveness or, you know, cliche. Right. So, you know, it's definitely worth the investment on those levels, but even just something as simple as having a network of people you can send it to and say, tell me what you honestly think Yeah, and having them respond. So, uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> maybe we'll do a review of that in the future. Who knows? Maybe we can even give one away. We just have to talk to the right people, right? Right. No, that's, right. that's true. And I
0: want to remind <laughs> people before I forget about it that, um, there's still this, I want to remind people that September 10th is the deadline for um, regular price entries for the um, international songwriting competition. Right. If you guys remember, we interviewed Shane Whalen uh, a few weeks ago and shared that. So it's something that we've become familiar with. They reached out to us and, and told us about their competition. I tend to be very skeptical about these things, very cynical, um, but mm-hmm. learning more about what they're perspective is to have a christian category um and it's not about money uh and shane himself was a comp a competitor didn't win you know but mm-hmm. he felt strongly enough about it that he became a part of the organization that runs that um which to me says something either he's super cynical and he's trying to get you know Screw everybody out of their money. Can I say that on our podcast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Well,
1: we are a charity, Joe. We don't make money on
0: this podcast. That's true, right? Um, <clears throat> we don't sell advertising. We do make money, though. We have made money, and that's what I wanted to tell people about at the end of the last podcast. Is that not that? Wow, we made money, but that we're um, we have some um, some income now for frequency, which is which is good, and it's not from selling advertising. Um, but what it means is that we are buying swag. There are people out there that we owe swag. Swag will be coming your way. Um, mm-hmm. We just have to pick out what it's going to be now. So we're, we're excited about that fact. And it's not coming out of my pocket or Dan's pocket. It's um, yes. we actually have an income source. It's kind of, it's, yeah. it sounds like I'm 16 and I can afford to buy Cool Ranch Doritos now or something.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, or or just a certain color M&M.
0: Oh, yes. Well,
1: I, In the green room. That's right, right. right. <laughs> Um, Actually, as you were talking, I was remembering, I think one of my friends, an artist, won the international songwriting competition, um, or at least was a part of it, um, Sean and Amy Dayton, um, which was a number of years ago, but I I seem to recall them having that logo on their website. So it definitely is something that, um, you know, is worth the investment of time and energy into, um, you know, if you are a songwriter um, and you want to get your your craft noticed sometimes these things do get it in front of people that you wouldn't normally get to have it in front of. So they, they can be of value uh, to those that take this seriously. Absolutely.
0: As we mentioned just a few minutes ago, you got to get other, you got to get some other people to listen to your music. If it's just your mom or your (laughs) grandma, that's really not feedback. You know, yeah, and uh, so this, you know, ISC is one mechanism for that, and actually, Jenny Lee Riddle, Jenny Lee Riddle has this resource. Do you remember what it was called?
1: Yeah, analyze my song right, right. dot com.
0: That's right, and that's um, and I've seen some of the evaluations they do. They're not very expensive, but they have industry professionals, and it's not just Christian. It's it's country, it's pop, it's R and B. They have people all over that spectrum. They're they actually listen to the song and they write out like an eight point multi-page feedback that comes to you um, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they, they do great work. So if you've got a song that you feel very strongly about, that's something that uh, I I would not hesitate to recommend. At some point we're, we intend to talk to Jenny uh, more about that,
1: but uh, we haven't had a chance to bring her on the show yet. Well, and the the other thing about that, I think it's twofold. Number one, it's for people submitting to give them help. But I think in return, it's actually to keep, Nashville songwriters and session artists who are notable and have experienced the money flowing because right. sometimes they, they can sit for weeks or months on end where there just isn't a project out there. And this allows for some residual income that, so she's actually championing um, both sides of the equation, which can only make again, the music industry better. Yeah,
0: no, she's, she's a visionary and she has an enormous heart for the artist. Mm -hmm. She wants better songs uh, to be written for the church. And she wants to make sure that there's uh, some security for people who are established because there are people out there whose names you would recognize. I don't know who they are particularly, but who are having trouble paying their mortgage, you know, and you would go, there's no way they're having trouble paying their mortgage. I know that name. Well, guess what? There's not as much money as you think out there. And this Mm -hmm. is a way for people to supplement their income and add value to you in a, in a reasonably priced but high quality fashion. So it's pretty exciting. I'm not sure how I got us completely on that topic, but it's uh, something analyzemysong.com is a great resource. And certainly if you haven't looked into it, do that. We're we're not compensated by them. You know, there's, there's no sponsorship here. It's guys. If you're songwriters, this is a unique and very, very good resource. So, um, between ISC and AnalyzeMySong.com, you've got a, a few pretty good options out there that you should consider.
1: All right, Joe. Well, thanks for another uh, great episode. and um, Scintillating episode. Yeah. And um, you know, as always, you can contact us at Frequency.fm on our website or on social media, Facebook. Just type Frequency FM or at Frequency.fm on Twitter. Cool, guys.
0: Great to talk to you again. And we should be back next week. With either Brothers McClurg or who knows, I don't know who else we've got recorded. There's more coming. <laughs> We're gonna be. Ta- I'm, I'm going to be talking to Ross King again very soon about his recent album, Unfettered. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out that album, we like it. By now, there may be even a review on the website. Who knows? Right now, it's the middle of August. Who knows what's going to happen between now and the time I post this? Well,
1: Miracles could happen. And I've got some holidays, so I might get some interviews in because I've got uh, an artist, Andrew Marcus, who I'm going to be talking to, as well as Chris Fashe, who has um, done Worship Rises, but he's also part of a a large ministry called C4 in Ajax, Ontario, the Toronto area. And um, he's involved in creative arts and technology and lighting and video and all those aspects of of church life so we'll get a chance to talk about that as well as songwriting awesome guys
0: good talking to you we will talk to you again next week take care